Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Well, welcome. How's everyone feeling? You're feeling good. We're doing okay. We're loving the Lord. We're in his presence. Well, amen. Amen. If I didn't get to meet you before service, my name is Hillary. I'm the executive pastor here at this campus, and I'd love to welcome you one more time. Just give it up for yourselves. Y'all made it on a Sunday morning, and I know you were tempted to sleep in, but you said, temptation, you go, you get out of here. I got to be with my God today. (laughs) Amen, right? Props, props to you guys. You're going to get bonus points in heaven if there are bonus points. I don't know, but like, sometimes it's nice to think you might have a little, little nudge, right? Well, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share with you guys. If you've never heard me speak, if we've never got to spend this time together, let me just tell you, I talk to everyone like a friend. People say I don't know a stranger. If I try to act all pastoral and preachy, it's bad. It's just real bad. So we're just going to chat today, and I hope that's all right. So if you have any questions, you can ask me questions. If you need me to slow down, I'll slow down. I'm here to cater to you. But I am excited to wrap up this series before we start this next one. And we have been in a series called Generosity's Journey, all about the principle of tithing, giving, how to steward our finances well. And I know it can be an intimidating topic, right? Sometimes it is hard to tithe. It's hard to to give anything to God, to put it in the hands of the church because it's either scary, you're worried you won't have enough, you don't know if you can trust the hands that you're putting it in, but I just want to remind you guys that when you partner with a church, it doesn't matter what the church does, it's your heart, you're partnering with God. So even if you think something might be a little weird, it's not weird because God is going to cover it, amen? He covers everything, he covers your intention, and all of that. So um, I know we've gone over a lot of scripture through this series, and we're just going to continue on because the word of God is always true. (laughs) And I kind of been nerding out on the word lately, which, you know, when I was younger, I didn't think that would happen. You know, you go to church with your parents, and you're like, the these and thous just trip you up. And you're like, I will never really be into this. The tides have turned, my friends. We are into it. (laughs) And I'm grateful for that. And I'm just grateful that the word, it speaks today. It's still true today. It'll be true tomorrow and all the days to come. So why don't we pray real quick and we'll jump in. Lord, thank you for bringing us here. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for wisdom. And I just ask that you would speak through me. Help me to say everything that needs to be said. And please shut my mouth if I'm approaching anything I don't need to say. Would you just move in our midst? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I'm still learning the shut your mouth part, if you can't tell, but we're growing. But yeah, so we're going to go into some scripture, and I kind of just want to jump straight in, and I'd love to go over a verse that I think we've all heard, um, if you've been in church any amount of time. It's pretty familiar, and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. And it says, 
let me flip. They'll put it up on the wall, but I like the hard copy. And the section in my Bible, it says, generosity encouraged. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Amen. Amen. Abound. Everything that you need. There's so much in there. There's so much in there that's just so good. (laughs) I get stuck on it. But the part that I think that stands out whenever we're talking about giving or generosity, we always talk about the cheerful giver, right? We know you're supposed to do it with gladness in your heart. Smile as you give your gift. But I kind of want to dissect and get into what does it mean to really be a cheerful giver? And how do you become a cheerful giver? Because, you know, not everybody is cheerful. And not everybody is cheerful all the time. I tend to be a little cheerful. Fun fact, Hillary, the root of Hillary, means cheerful if you go back into the, you know, the, the origin of the word and all that good stuff. So I've been called cheerful my entire life, so it's kind of built in, but I do have days where I don't want to do anything, <laughs> much, less, much less give, or sometimes, and I know this is bad to say, but sometimes you just don't want to like care for someone else. You just kind of want to take care of yourself, right? Anybody been there? Just me? Okay, thank you. All right. (laughs) Just a little honest. And it can be hard to just give freely and to give cheerfully. Um, And when I was, like, studying this and just thinking about the word today, I, I started thinking about, like, gifts, right? Cheerful giver, gift giver. I had a birthday, like, a week or so ago. And, you know, during that time, we start to get gifts. And I remember when you're, when I was little, And I don't remember if this exactly happened or if I saw this on TV or whatever, but you know when you're a kid, you're always going to get a gift that maybe you didn't want, right? Someone gives you that gift, and you can't help but show it on your face because you're young then, and you have no control over your face. But as an adult, we control our expressions all the time, all the time, I'm sure. But your parents probably told you one time or another that it's the thought that counts, right? We think about that all the time. It's the thought that that counts. They went out of their way to gift you something. So even if you don't like it, you're supposed to say thank you because it is the thought that counts. And I felt like that's exactly, that's like the RAV translation of these verses. Deciding in your heart what to give. It's, It's the thought that counts. It's a godly principle, It's the thought that counts when giving to God. It's not the amount that you're giving. It's not how perfect your gift is or how on time it is. It is the thought that counts. It's the posture of your heart that counts. So in order for us to be cheerful givers, we have to get our minds right around giving, right? So that can be really difficult because maybe... Maybe someone did you wrong, and they gave you a gift that you really didn't like, (laughs) right? So, you know, the nice thing is to give them a gift back on their birthday, but maybe you're a little petty, and you're like, well, they only spent $5 on my gift, so I'm only going to give them $5 back. Does the thought count then? 
I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. (laughs) I had someone give me a gift this past birthday, and when I opened it, I was so disappointed. Fortunately, I just opened it at home. It was a family member who gave me this gift. No one that's here in this room. Don't worry. My mom, she did great. She was on it, gave me exactly what I needed. But I got a gift from someone who, I told them that I was taking up kickboxing, so they thought it'd be funny to get me like a workout tank top that said, uh, what does it say? Fight like a beauty, kick like a beast. (laughs) Was not wrapped, it just came in the little Amazon bag, and I was like, what is this? Because they were hyping me up. I got you something, I'm so excited, I think you're really gonna like it. It's not big, but I think you'll like it amazing can't wait to get it and you know I don't know if you guys are like our household we have Amazon packages coming pretty regularly so sometimes they kind of stockpile at the door so they were like the package arrived I was like no it didn't there's no way they're like no no it's there go through our Amazon packages find the smallest one I'm like this must be it fight like a beauty kick like a beast I was like this is what okay So I had to resolve in my heart that it was the thought that counted, right? But when I thought about it a little too much, I was like, how much thought really went into this? And does that count? And I know this is making me sound probably like so much of a brat, but it was bigger than that. See, this person was in in my life, my entire life, And turns out they kind of forgot my birthday. They saw like an Instagram post and then called me on my birthday super late at night. And then we had like a 57 second conversation. And then after the conversation was the text, hey, a gift is coming, you're gonna love it. So I was kind of already like, "Mm mm-hmm, like gift better come. And I realized there's, there's such thing as getting a bad gift that was thought out with good intention And then there's such thing as getting that, like, thoughtless gift. You know, that last-minute thing that someone just kind of rushed to send me because they felt like they were supposed to send it to me or to you. Do you know what I mean? There there is a difference in the two. And I was really upset. Normally, I don't care about gifts. It's not really my love language at all, truly. And this one just rubbed me the wrong way, not just because it was a ridiculous tank top that, truthfully, was a little small. (laughs) So then that's on top. I was like, oh my gosh, not only do I not like this, I can't even wear it to sleep. It won't even fit me. It's like dental floss choking a ham, but (laughs) it's very concerning. It's okay. I I won't draw out any pictures. But I started thinking about it. I was like, man, this isn't just a bad gift, but this seems like it was a thoughtless gift. And this person knew even if they forgot, like a handwritten card would have gone so much further. A Venmo with a GIF, a little bit further, not so much further. But this person knows my sisters, they know my community, they know my mom, and they could have asked and they didn't. And it really bothered me. And I had to kind of like fight through these feelings. I'm like, am I just a horrible, spoiled human? Or is there something deeper? And I thought back to, well, it's the thought that counts. And then that was getting on my nerves too, because I was like, there was no thought here. So does it even count? 
And I start thinking about, well, when they have their birthday, maybe I'll call them super late. You know, you kind of go through this rabbit trail of tit for tat. Maybe it's just me. I'm growing. We're on a journey. But I, I started thinking about those things, all the birthdays we've shared together. And I'm like, man, I've never done this. But maybe next year I will. Because it's the thought that counts. And if you can't give me any thought, why should I give thought to you? And I can't help but think how many of us apply that to God. We might feel left out. We might feel alone. And we hear in church we're supposed to tithe, we're supposed to give, but we're in a place where you don't think about me, so why should I think about you? You know my financial situation. How could you ask me to do this? What thought is going into that? But we get into this trap as human beings where we apply our earthly relationships to our heavenly father. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. And it's, it's wrong. It's dead wrong because he does love us so much more. He cares for us so much more. He protects us so much more than anyone on this earth possibly could, whether they're a good gift giver or a bad gift giver. God is even better because he gave us salvation. He gave us relationships. He's given us opportunity after opportunity to get better, to get stronger, to, to be more like him. So in order for us to be cheerful givers, we have to dismantle that thought cycle that we're in. When we apply relationships with our earthly fathers who were never present, or we apply our relationships with our brothers who are rude and annoying, and we place those relationships on our God, we got to tear that down. And it's going to make a difference in how you approach God, how you give to him, and how you receive from him. So that's step number one. And if you're like, okay, I hear you, I'm tracking, but like, how do I take away those thoughts? Spend time in God's word. Learn who he is. And anytime you start to think, well, Lord, you don't love me, you have to combat, combat that thought with scripture. Your word says that there is nothing that could ever separate me from your love. So of course you love me. You start to think, well, I'm alone. This word says that before I was in my mother's womb, he knew me. How could I be alone with someone who knew me before I even existed? We can fight this. We can power through this so that we can give cheerfully because we want all the blessings and the good stuff that comes in verse 8 where it says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Cheerfully giving is going to help unlock that. That's why the Lord, he tells us to test him in our giving. He says, test me in the sea that I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room to contain it. Give cheerfully. And if you're like, I have room and I've been tithing, where is this abundance of blessing? You have to check your heart first. Make sure that you're giving in the right spirit. Make sure you're giving with the right thoughts because it is the thought that counts even with God. When I think about giving and just being generous, there's a ton of scripture, there are parables, there are stories. And I'd love to 
to kind of dive into a few of them if we have time. And the first is the story or the parable of the talents, which is in Matthew 25. Um, and we're not going to, I'm not going to read the whole story. I'll summarize it for you because sometimes I like to read the whole thing and then everybody's just looking at me while I'm reading and I'm super into it and everybody's like, we got brunch plans, you know? <laughs> but to be a cheerful giver, we have to, one, change our mindset because it's a thought that counts. Two, we have to let go of fear. And all this kind of goes back to the mind. It goes back to your soul when you start to worry and your emotions get high. So in combating fear, I, th- I thought of the, the parable of the talents. So this parable tells a story of this, like, I don't know if he was like a ruler. I don't know. He had money, a man with money, okay? And he was going out of town, so he had three employees and that he was trusting his funds to. One person got one bag. Another person had two. One person got five. And so when he came back, he wanted to see what happened. He was like, take care of this. I'm trusting you guard this. You know how I feel about this. It's my bag. Keep it secure. And when he comes back, he kind of checks in on his three employees. And the one that had five talents multiplied it, and it became ten. He doubled it. Same with the guy that had two bags. Doubled it. Became four. The last one, and that's where we'll pick up in verse 24. Matthew 25, verse 24 said, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Sounds reasonable, right? Just wait. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Some fighting words. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. He did not play. He was upset. Fear caused this man to lose what he had. He got yelled at, which is really hard. So he's losing, well, he's humiliated, right? He loses his self-worth because his boss is screaming at him. I don't know if you've had a boss yell at you. I have not here, was not employed by Word of Life Church, but I work somewhere else, and I had someone scream in my face in front of all of my coworkers. There is nothing that makes you feel smaller than that. And you think that would be enough. He takes what was entrusted to him and gives it to someone else. So now he has no job. And then he's thrown out into darkness. He has no light because he was fearful. And I'm so glad that our God is more merciful than that. But fear can keep you from promise. Fear can keep you from light. Fear can keep you from security in yourself and in, in your means, in your job, and the things around you. 
And if you find yourself kind of like this guy, like I was trying, but I got scared, so I held on to everything that I had, and now it seems like it's all falling apart, I would encourage you, give in boldness. Give in trusting God. Because truthfully, there is nowhere safer to be. God isn't a trickster. He doesn't steal from you. He doesn't steal from anyone. But he will give you opportunity. And if you want another opportunity, if you want to grow, you have to be diligent with what you have. And you can't be diligent and scared at the same time. And I know that's kind of hard because I've, I've been there. I've been in a place in my life where I had, like, no money. Every little bit of income I was making from the job where the person yelled at me, I'm not mad, I've forgiven. <laughs> but every bit of income I had went toward my rent, and it went toward my, my travel, because I was living in a city and I needed a, a train card. And I had, like, just a sliver left for groceries. And I was expected to tithe in that state. And I remember getting my paycheck. You know, you go through the motions. You're like, ah, let me open up my app, go and give. And I I hesitated. I was like, maybe I'll just hold on to this for right now because, Lord, you know. You know my back's to the wall. I have to buy my Metro card. I need to be able to get two works so that I can make at least a little bit more so that I can eventually pay you back because next paycheck, I'll double up on my tithe to compensate for the one that I missed. And I didn't tithe during that pay period. And I promise you, I had to learn the hard way. I went to go buy my Metro card. It's like a big kiosk, kind of like an ATM. And you select what card you want to get. It's like a monthly pass. And I went to put my money in. It took my money and gave me no card. Talk about a quick repercussion. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I live 40 minutes away and I'm certainly not going to walk there. So I tried it again, took even more money, took the same amount of money twice. And I was like, oh, gosh, I can't do this again because I will really be just out of luck. And I had to come out of the subway and I literally walked to my friend's apartment, which was downtown. It was like two miles. And I just walked and put in headphones and talked to the Lord and just warred with him. Like, God, you know I don't have enough. I just needed my train card so that I could get to work, so that I could get home, so that I could do all the things I need to do, so I could get to church, so that I could serve, because I'm serving you. So, like, why would you do me like this? And and I'm walking. It was not nighttime. It was very safe. Just no one to do what to be concerned. But I was just beside myself. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't tithe. I'm sorry I didn't give you my first fruits, and I'm sorry that I was so scared of not having enough, and now here I am with less than what I thought I would have if I just tithed. And I had to repent. I had to apologize for being afraid. I let my fear be bigger than my trust in God when he had been faithful to me every single day, every moment prior to that. 
He never let me go without. He made sure I had groceries. He made sure I, I had a job when I needed a job because fun employment is only fun for so long. And so I, I finally feel like I, I reconciled. I said, Lord, I won't ever do this again because I can trust you. And I got to my friend's apartment and we were just sitting, talking, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I better go back home. I'll figure that out. Because I was like, am I just going to stay here? What am I going to do? Because I was further away. I was not walking towards my apartment. I was literally walking the opposite direction. And he said, hey, well, I'm going to be in New Jersey for the next month. And I don't need my monthly Metro Pass. Do you want it? Literally gave me the monthly card. And I was able to swipe and get home. The Lord restored what had been taken from me. Even though I, try, I didn't give, I withheld in fear. But because I'd made up my mind and reconciled that in my spirit, that I would no longer be fearful, he came right in and cared for me. That was the difference. That, that turnaround was the difference in me being stranded and being able to get home. He can do that for you too. Let go of the fear. Reconcile with God if you have to. So you're not like the man with one talent out on the street and in darkness. When you make peace with him, you'll remain in the light and that light is going to carry you through the next hurdle, the next obstacle, the next, you know, that one week right before you're about to get paid when things get a little tight. God will be there in that margin if you'll, if you'll lose the fear and learn to trust. So how to become a cheerful giver? We're going to renew our minds, right, because it's the thought that counts. We're going to let go of fear. And the next thing, if you've been giving and you're like, this isn't going the way scripture says it would. We're dealing with a matter of the heart. And you might be in a place where you need to forgive. And that is probably one of the hardest lessons we're going to learn as believers, especially in this day and age where we're like, self-care means I walk away from all my toxic behaviors and toxic relationships but I'm still going to talk real bad about all those things in forever perpetuity. It's not self-care. It's not caring at all. It's actually just like making things worse. But we get so wrapped up in telling our story, speaking our truth, telling our story, speaking our truth, that we forget that we need to forgive people who may have hurt us or harmed us. And it's time for us to do that. We need to live lightly, and we need to forgive ourselves, and we need to forgive those who have hurt us. Because a burdened heart, if it's too hard, God, God needs to be able to work with a heart of flesh. He needs to be able to, to work through you, and you can't do that if you're so balled up, tight-fisted, and angry at every single person who's done you wrong. Because the fact is, people are going to do you wrong, unfortunately. I don't wish that upon you. I don't want that for you or for anyone that I know, love, or care about. But it's, it comes with the territory because we're all flawed. We're going to disappoint and hurt people. But forgiving is like one of the most godly things that we can do. Jesus hanging on a cross to die, being crucified, 
being harmed brutally for all the things that we've done. And what does he say? Forgive them. We have to be able to forgive. I think about, when I think of forgiveness, I think of um, Joseph. Joseph was done wrong by his family. And sometimes the family hurt is the hardest hurt to get over. But the story of Joseph, it's all the way in Genesis. He has a ton of brothers, and he was just favored. He was the baby. He was loved on. All of y'all who are the babies, good for you. Middle children, older children, you'll be fine. You're going to be okay. Just don't be like Joseph's brothers. The brothers were so jealous of him and so hurt by his favor that they literally sold him into slavery, into bondage, lied to his dad, told his dad that he was murdered by like wolves, like eaten alive. Talk about dramatics, okay? And so Joseph goes through this whole journey of being in captivity, being um, lied to, being deceived, and eventually, because the favor of God could not be dimmed on him no matter what situation he was in, he rose to a place of power. And there was a famine going through the land, and Joseph was the one that would say, oh, this family gets so much grain. This family is the one that's going to make it. This family only gets this much. He was the gatekeeper of survival. And his brothers come, all of them come back. It's the first time seeing them since he was sold as a child. And now he's a man, and it's been so long that they don't even recognize him. He recognizes them instantly. And I know if I were Joseph, I would be beyond. Talk about your trauma, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) The people who, who quite literally caused every bad thing to happen are standing in front of you asking you for mercy to make it through a famine. And he had a choice to make. I can throw them in jail. I could have them killed. I could send them without anything and let nature take its course. Maybe, maybe wolves will come and do what they said happened to me. But Joseph, after, you know, some emotional moments, <laughs> forgives. Joseph embraces them with open arms. And he's weeping. They're all crying but he blesses them. And because he forgave and he gave to them, there was such reconciliation. His family set the pace for so many nations to come. For our faith was built from there. And imagine if he had stopped them and said no. Where would we be? Forgiveness is massive. And it will change what your gift and your giving looks like if you will allow the work to be done on your heart. So I I don't know who you need to forgive, but take a moment to do that. There's too much that's needed of you for some bitterness to stand in the way. When I look around this room, I see people who are going to save lives. 
people who are going to change lives, people who are setting a standard for their family that maybe their parents weren't able to set, but you can set that bar for your kids and their kids and all the kids to come. I see people who are meant to impact this community, both with, with their time and with their generosity. But we can't let fear or bitterness keep us from that. And your ability to let things go, to forgive, is going to make a difference on whether or not those changes happen now or if they happen down the line. You are a gatekeeper like Joseph was. And you have talents that God has placed in your hands. Will you live generously and and put thought behind what you're doing? Or are you going to hold on to it in fear and in bitterness? Leaving other people in the dark. I know it seems like a lot of pressure. And I think it looks that way on the front end. I think it's just a lie of the enemy. Oh, that's, that's a big task. I don't know if you can do it. That's a lot of pressure. I don't know that's for you. But if God said it's for you, it's for you. And there's provision on the other side. There's grace that'll meet you there. So I want to challenge you guys today as we close out the series generosity's journey. I want to challenge you to to work on becoming a cheerful giver. Take the time. Do the work. Because it is worth it. And I know he will provide and meet every single one of your needs. I think It's worth mentioning that if you're here, you've already started doing the work. You've already kind of taken that first step. So take the pressure off of yourself for having to do more and do all the things at one time. Showing up, listening, and receiving the word of God is a fantastic first step. You just have to let it into your heart and let it change you. Only if you want to. Let it change your thoughts. Because once it changes your thoughts, it'll change your actions. And your circumstances will change. And I I believe that for, for all of us in this place. Today is also Communion Sunday where we are taking some time to, to remember our covenant with God, the covenant that he's made with us, the promise for new life and life in abundance. And I realize that in, in taking time to reflect on covenant, to remember God, it also kind of helps us become cheerful givers because I think one of the last things we need to do in order to make that step is to recognize whose hands we are trusting. We are trusting the Savior of the world, the maker of heaven and earth and every good thing that you see. 
we are trusting a God who knew exactly where you would be on this Sunday, what you would wear, what you would look like, who would be sitting on the left and right of you. We are trusting a God who resides in a place where the streets are made of gold. We are trusting a God who doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our time. He needs our hearts. And we are trusting a God who is patient and who is kind and who will wait for us while we're doing the work, while we're softening our hearts, while we're renewing our minds and working on our thoughts. So I'd like to just take some time. We're going to go into worship, but I'd like to pray over our communion and encourage you to take this time of worship to reflect. Let the Lord deal with your heart and show you who you need to forgive. Let the Lord highlight the lies that you've been believing and and exchange them for truth. Amen? Amen. So if you have communion, you can take it in your hands. I know it takes a minute because that plastic's a little difficult to get off. And if anyone needs communion, you can just give a wave. Some of our team, they'll, they'll be able to help you out. Yeah, they're coming down. But as you're preparing your communion, I just want to remind you of what the Lord said all those years ago at the Last Supper when he gave the disciples bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. And we take the bread now, and you break it, and you take it in remembrance of him. And you can do that now. You can take the bread. And then he took a cup of wine, and he held it up, I think. I like to think he held it up. (laughs) And to his friends to someone who would betray him. He looks each of them in the eyes and he says, this represents my blood that is poured out for you. And every time you take this, do this in remembrance of me. You can go ahead and take the juice. And then we pray. God, we thank you for giving your son Jesus to die for us. Lord, thank you for giving your son when we didn't deserve it. Lord, I thank you that his blood poured out for us covers every bit of worry, every bit of fear. It covers every doubt and every sickness. It covers every wrongdoing and every mistake. God, and I thank you that it is by his blood that we are healed and made whole. 
I thank you that it is by his blood that we can, we can walk triumphantly through this world, no longer burdened by the things of our past, but walking in truth, Lord. I thank you that it's by his blood that we can be cheerful givers, not worrying about what's in our hands, because we know that we are in your hands and we can trust you. We can depend on you. We can be changed by you, God. So we welcome that change here and now. We thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.